Welcome, everyone. My name is Isabel Cortez, and welcome to another episode of Scary Stories for the Soul. Every religion and culture that is spread across this great big world of ours has their own tale of demonic or spiritual possession. Amongst these many stories, none are more fascinating than that of the Dybbuk of Jewish folklore. A Dybbuk is a disembodied human spirit that for any number of reasons has infiltrated the body of a living person. The earliest descriptions of Dybbuk's dating back to the 16th and 17th centuries, depict them as non-human demons. These demons have never lived any sort of life, and so they have never been the souls of a living human being. They are mischievous and dangerous, and wherever they go, chaos ensues. Later stories of Dybbuk's claim that they are the spirits of people who have died and do not want to cross over out of fear. The spirit might be that of a sinner who is afraid of the punishments that it will endure in the afterlife. This fear leads them to possess the body of a living person, pushing its soul out so that it may remain in the body forever and never have to endure their just punishment. The word Dybbuk is an abbreviation of the original word which translates to a cleavage of an evil spirit. The Dybbuk will cleave itself into the body of an unsuspecting person, poisoning its soul from the inside while it worms its way in. A Dybbuk can also be the disembodied spirit of someone who is seeking revenge for some evil that was done to it while it was alive. The spirit becomes so warped by its own bitterness and need for vengeance that it becomes an evil thing, inhabiting a body for its own vengeful purposes with little regard for the pain it causes the person it is using. If the intent of the Dybbuk is to hurt, punish, or create chaos, then the possessed person has little to no control over the actions of its own body. They have no will, and they become an unwilling watcher in the grand scheme of destruction. There are certain versions of the Dybbuk folklore that do not paint them as evil and conniving. The Gilgul, which comes from the Hebrew word rolling, is a spirit that is not allowed to pass on to the next world due to some severe sin that they have committed. This is generally associated with a doctrine called transmigration of the soul. The Gilgul sees no other choice than to take refuge in the body of a living person until it can right its wrong. The Gilgul could also be on a journey of self-perfection where the spirit has to occupy several different bodies, learning new things from each experience lived until it is complete enough to reunite with God. We can only hope that if we ever experience an entity like this, it is the Gilgul and not a Dybbuk. So what do you do if you ever fall victim to a malicious Dybbuk whose only intent is to cause you pain and madness? It is believed that the only way to rid yourself of such a heinous being is to contact a rabbi, a Ba'aleshim, who is a practitioner of practical Kabbalah and a miracle worker of sorts, or an accomplished Hadassim, who will then perform a rite of exorcism on you. Little is known about how these rituals are performed, but the goal is to send the Dybbuk back to hell where it belongs, 
and restored the soul of the one who is afflicted so that no further damage can be done to it. It is in this exorcism ritual that we get the lore of the Dybbuk box. A Dybbuk box is supposedly a box which contains the spirit of a Dybbuk. The box can be made out of oak or ash because those words are considered holy and used in the defense against evil. Different sigils and symbols are then burned into the wood to amplify its protective powers, and offerings are left in the box to not only keep the spirit at bay, but to also distract it from its own imprisonment. The box is then sealed, never to be opened again for fear of releasing the evil inside. The most famous of Dybbuk boxes belonged to Kevin Manis, a writer and furniture refinishing business owner, who in 2003 auctioned off what he described as a box containing pure evil. He claimed that the Dybbuk box was passed down to him by a Polish Holocaust survivor who left clear instructions never to disturb or open it. Manis thought nothing of this terrible gift until he began to be plagued by violent and terrifying nightmares auditory hallucinations, and an unforeseen string of bad luck. After years of struggling with the Dybbuk box, Manis decided to auction it off on eBay with a disclaimer detailing the supposed paranormal activity. The box ultimately ended up in the hands of Ghost Adventures hope Zach Bagan, who currently has it on display in his paranormal museum, also with clear instructions to never mess with the Dybbuk box. In a recent interview, Manis confessed to fabricating his Dybbuk experience. The box that he so fervently claimed was a vessel for evil was simply a wine box he had made up to look like the boxes of legend. While this information is disheartening for paranormal fanatics, it is undeniable that the legend of the Dybbuk is one that you can't help but shudder to think of. The story you're about to hear is one of a girl who thought herself too clever to fall victim to folklore and legends. She thought she was smart and underestimated the power that the supernatural has. Spirits don't care if you do everything right, though, and if you do or don't believe in them, they will find a way to get to you. Grace looked at the wooden box sitting on her grandmother's table. The Hebrew burned into the wood looked familiar, but she couldn't quite make out what it was. The etchings were old and fading away. She reached over to grab the box in the hopes of getting a better look when her uncle came over and whacked her hands with his cane. No, he said in a low voice. Do not touch it. She rubbed her hand and watched as people started to trickle into the living room. Her grandmother's death had not been unexpected. She had been sick for a few years but that didn't make things any less sad. Her grandmother was a character, to say the least. She always had crazy stories about ghosts and golems and demons. She had seen aliens and UFOs and knew a person or two who had been abducted. She drew the line at Bigfoot, though. She was always very clear about that. Grace, being a believer of all things creepy and unusual, loved to sit down and discuss folklore and myths with her grandmother. They would spend hours going back and forth while eating rum raisin ice cream straight out of the carton. And now, Grace was sitting in that same living room, surrounded by a dozen family members, zoning out while the family lawyer dished out her grandmother's earthly possessions. The whole thing rubbed her the wrong way. Grace, her mother nudged her, 
She refocused and saw everyone staring back at her. Yeah? Did you hear what Mr. Peters just said? Grace looked around the room, at the ashen faces of her aunts and uncles, and shook her head no. Mr. Peters adjusted his glasses and reread the portion of the will she had missed. And to my loving granddaughter Grace, I leave you the Dybbuk box I have guarded with my life for thirty years. It has been my greatest pleasure in life discussing the other world with another true believer, and because of that I know that you will guard this thing just like I did. But take care. This box is nothing to be underestimated. Do not touch it with your bare hands. Do not keep it in the room where you sleep. And never, ever open it. I love you, Grace. I know this is a terrible burden to place on your young shoulders, but there is no one else that I can trust with it. Grace looked back at the wooden box laying harmlessly on the table. It didn't look like anything special. It looked more like a creepy jewelry box than anything else. As the room started to thin out, Grace lingered to examine the box. She couldn't help but feel like everyone was looking at her. All her aunts and uncles were whispering and pointing. Her mother was speaking to her father, murmuring something secretive while shaking her head, a look of worry etched across her face. Her uncle Ronald went to sit down beside her. Hey, she said, do you mind taking this home with you tonight? I don't have my car with me and my mom said that she doesn't want it in her car. Her uncle stared at the box and then back at her. He looked conflicted. Um, yeah, yes, that's that's fine. Just make sure that you get it first thing in the morning. I, I don't want it in my house for any longer than it has to be. Seriously? She asked, dumbfounded. Her uncle didn't answer. He just continued to look at the box. What's the deal with this thing anyway? She asked. What's a dibbick? Just get it in the morning, he answered sharply. The next morning, at exactly 7 a.m., Grace awoke to the incessant ringing of her phone. Hello? She answered groggily. Grace, her Uncle Ronald's stern voice said. I need you to come get this thing. Now. Grace rubbed her eyes and checked the clock on her phone. Can it wait? I only just woke up and... No! He said. Come and get it. Now. And then he hung up. Grace dressed quickly and drove to her uncle's home where she found him and their rabbi speaking on the front lawn. Confused, she pulled into the driveway and hesitantly walked up. Grace... Rabbi Jordan said, taking her hand and squeezing it tightly. Is this your responsibility now? The box? She asked. Yeah, my uncle was just holding it for me. Okay, he said with a sm sad smile on his face. Before you take it, there are some things you should know. As Grace followed the men into the home, she noticed that the box was in the fireplace. It looked charred, but relatively unharmed. Rabbi Jordan took a seat on the couch and pointed to the box. Do you know what this is? She noticed her uncle choose the side of the couch farthest from the fireplace. It's a Dybbuk box. My grandmother said, it's mine. I mean, she left it in her will, but I don't know what this is exactly. A Dybbuk box is a vessel that literally contains a Dybbuk inside, the rabbi said. A Dybbuk is a spirit that has never been human. Now, Dybbuks can either be harmless 
or malignant. This Dybbuk happens to be malignant. It is a demon that is here to cause harm to whoever has the misfortune of coming into contact with it, which is why it must be contained in this box. These etchings you see on the wood, they are sacred symbols, symbols meant to guard and contain the spirit so that it is unable to get free. Did your grandmother tell you anything about the box? Grace looked at the box. I mean, she didn't tell me anything. The will just said to never sleep in the same room as it, and to never open it, and to never touch it with my bare hands. Yes, he said. These things are very important. You see, the Dybbuk inside is alive. It is aware of its imprisonment, and it will do everything in its power to get free. It will whisper to you, it will call your name, it will stretch the minimal power that it has to get under your skin. All it wants to do is break free, and it will use you to do that. But I would never do that, Grace whispered. She didn't know why she was whispering, but she figured she might as well if there was something in the room listening in on her. We know, her Uncle Ronald said. I think that is why my mother left it to you. You are a believer like she was. She knew that you wouldn't scoff at the legends. You would take it seriously. But the power of the Dybbuk is strong. I had it here for less than 24 hours and I can no longer bear it. You can't possibly know how powerful this thing is. His gaze fell to the fireplace and Grace followed it. Okay, so what do I do? She asked Rabbi Jordan. The rabbi removed some tools from his briefcase and etched new symbols into the wood. Grace thought she heard hissing coming from the box, but she didn't know if that was the sound of burning wood or the sound of pain emanating from within. Then, the rabbi blessed the box and her uncle's home. Grace watched in fascination as he put on a pair of leather gloves and gently placed it into the trunk of her car, making sure to keep it a full arm's length away from himself. He then blessed her, and she was on her way home. As soon as she pulled out of the driveway, Grace felt wrong. There was a heaviness in the air around her that she couldn't quite explain. She kept her eyes on the road, ignoring the creeping feeling of eyes on the back of her neck. Writing it off as chills from the theatrics she had just witnessed, she tried to focus her eyes. But her eyes wouldn't focus. They were blurring, and she didn't know why. She rubbed her eyes, but it fixed nothing. Grace, a small voice whispered. Immediately, the air around her turned cold. I didn't hear that, she said to herself. Grace, someone yelled. It was right next to her ear. It was loud and shrill and animalistic. It was real. She heard that for sure. She turned to look behind her and almost didn't see the light in front of her turn from yellow to red. She slammed on the brakes and skidded to a stop halfway through the crosswalk. Her forehead beaded with sweat and she frantically wiped it with the back of her hand. She wasn't sure, but she could have sworn she heard laughing coming from behind her. As soon as she got home, she rushed inside, pulled on a pair of thick mittens, and grabbed the box from her trunk. 
She placed it on her living room fireplace mantle and covered it with several dish towels. Try that shit now, she thought to herself. But the sun set faster than Grace anticipated, and soon she found herself alone, at night, with the box. She was always aware of its presence. It was as if it had eyes and they were following her around the house. Even when she was locked in her room doing work, she felt its lingering presence. When she walked out to get water from her kitchen, she heard whispering in her living room. Sometimes it would stop when she passed by the room. Sometimes the whispering would quicken, unintelligible words mixing together into a stream of nonsense. It was easy to ignore it at first, but as the hours went by, it became impossible. When it was finally time for her to go to bed, she went over to the box and with her heavy mittens, adjusted the towels so that they were tucked underneath it. She didn't have much religious paraphernalia around the house, so she dug out everything she had left over from her bat mitzvah and placed it around the box. It would have to do. It felt silly, but she walked backwards back to her room, making sure to never take her eyes off the box until she got inside. She made sure to lock the door, triple check that it was locked, and then slept with the lights on. That night, Grace dreamt that she was holding the box with her bare hands, pressing its cool wooden surface to her ear and listening to its hushed tones as it said to her all manner of terrible things. It rained death and disease and despair upon her. It cursed her family and friends and all living things that were associated with her. It threatened to break bones and dance on her ashes. But all of this could be avoided if she set it free. All she had to do was slip her fingers in between the hidden seams of the box and gently pull. It would be so easy. All that misery gone in an instant if she were to just let it free. But there was a voice in Grace's head that said, no, don't do it. And when she zeroed in on that voice, Grace awoke in her living room, mere feet from the mantelpiece, her hands outstretched, ready to grab the Dybbuk box. She stumbled backwards as that same threatening voice lingered in her ear, giggling like a hysterical schoolgirl. In the daylight of the next morning, the box seemed less dangerous, but she wasn't going to be fooled. The rest of the day was spent doing random busy work. She knew that if she had any downtime, she would spend it staring at the box, waiting for it to move or spring open or light on fire or something else awful and dangerous. But like the previous day, night came sooner than Grace expected, and soon her house was littered with shadows. She turned on every light she could, but they were inexplicable shadows lingering over the Dybbuk box. The voice began its gentle whispers again. It sounded melodic, almost like the singing of a broken music box. Grace strained her ears to see if she could understand what it was trying to say, but she caught herself. There was no need to know what it had to say. That was one of the ways it could get to her. Whatever it was singing to her, she didn't care. She didn't want to hear it. She lit a few candles and turned her back to it, walking away as confidently as she could. But a soft thud made her turn around. 
she froze in place. As soon as she turned, she knew what she was seeing. The box. She told herself she could just walk away. She could pretend like she hadn't heard anything. I mean, it wasn't open, was it? It's just on the floor. But what if it was open? What if there was something behind her that was going to follow her into her room? What if there was something lingering in the shadows? What if, what if? No, she had to check. She was going to drive herself crazy with all these hypothetical questions. Slowly, she swiveled on the balls of her feet and saw that not only were the dish towels on the floor, but yes, so was the box. It was a good 10 feet from the mantle, as if it had been thrown from its place on top. Frantically, Grace ran over to see if it had opened. It looked intact, but she needed to be sure. She picked it up and moved it around, making sure to check every nook and cranny. When she was satisfied that it was closed, an electric shock ran through her system. She was touching the box. Her clammy hands were touching the box and she could feel the beads of sweat from her hands transferring over to the wood. No, 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 she thought. Panic seeped into her bones. A soft murmuring resonated from the box, a mixture of laughing and muttering and singing. Grace's eyes clouded over and it was as if she could see through the eyes of another. She could see hands building the Dybbuk box, etching symbols into the wood that glowed red and hot and powerful. She watched bottles be filled with hair, cloth, blessed oils, and herbs. She smelled pungent incense floating through the air and a deep voice chanting, all the while a growling was floating in the air. It was the guttural growl of a rabid animal mixed with the sound of swearing and cursing. The voice in the air cursed them all, cursed their mothers and their fathers, threatened to melt the flesh from their bones and eradicate their bloodlines. It cried and moaned and laughed and begged for its life, calling each individual person in the room by name, but it was ignored. The baritone-voiced rabbi continued to chant and soon the room began to rumble. Portraits fell from the walls and the floor beneath them cracked. A rapid whooshing filled the air and the box shut in on itself. The etchings glowed for a short while and then went out. All was right for a few seconds, but then the baritone-voiced rabbi doubled over in plain. He clutched his heart and dropped to the ground, dying in an instant, his body laying beside the divot box. A soft laugh emanated from it before falling silent. With a gasp of air, Grace came back into herself, her vision restored. She dropped the box. It landed on her feet and cracked open. A puff of what looked like dust escaped from the box, wafting into her nostrils. She inhaled without thinking, the smell of vinegar and sulfur burning the inside of her nose. No, 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 she said in a panic. She rubbed her eyes, forcing herself to sneeze and to blow her nose on her shirt sleeve. Instantly, her eyes began to cloud over, though. Her legs began to buckle, and she struggled to stay standing. Her left arm jutted forward and then back, twisting at an awkward angle and then back again. She was struggling to get control of herself, but she was fighting. She wasn't going to let this thing win. She remembered all the conversations she had with her grandmother, 
all those long talks about spiritual protections and guarding yourself against evil. Grace fell on her side and started praying. She prayed and prayed for hours and hours. She prayed until her throat went sore and her voice was gone. She prayed through the day and the night, letting time float by her like the grains of sand in an hourglass. The phone rang, but she didn't answer. She didn't want to stop praying. The sound of pounding on her front door registered in her line of hearing, but she didn't get up to answer it. Even when her front door splintered open and her mother and Uncle Ronald burst into her living room, she didn't stop. Grace was taken to Rabbi Jordan, where he and a group of his colleagues continued to pray for her in an attempt to save her soul. The Dybbuk did not yet have a hold on her, but it was warming its way through her body. It was a slow and arduous process, and Grace felt her slip slipping throughout. She kept hearing her grandmother's voice in her head, telling her not to give up. Finally, after seven days of continuous prayer, Grace was liberated, and the Dybbuk box was buried under seven feet of holy earth. She was never the same after that. Every now and then, she swore she heard voices, laughing, whispers coming from unknown places. She could never be left alone. Those who disposed of the box never disclosed to Grace where they buried it. But every once in a while, on her afternoon walks around town, she thought she heard the sound of nails scratching on wood coming from a cemetery she passed by. A cemetery that she didn't know why, but she was gravitated to. We have heard plenty of possession stories. Stories of people losing themselves in the fight against demonic or intrusive entities. Dybbuk legends have lasted the test of time, sitting in the back of people's subconscious fears for years. Although plenty of fake stories of demons residing inside of boxes on display in Las Vegas are floating around, Dybbuks are nothing to be taken lightly. They are not to be messed with, and they are definitely nothing to scoff at. Think about that the next time you see an ornately carved antique box on sale at a free market. Thank you for taking this haunted journey with me today. If you want to hear more myths, legends, and scary stories, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Until next time.